Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you're having a great day. A special shout out to the countries that listen to this show. Um, Wow, got a lot going on there in Ireland. So a special welcome to you. And a special shout out to my good friend, Yoshiko. Yoshiko Dart, how are you today? And I always want to thank Highmark. Highmark Health is the lead sponsor of Disability Matters. And I am just so always impressed with them. They stood behind me to get started. And I also have as a sponsor AudioEye, another great company with a software product for digital accessibility with webs. So with that, um, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Kurt Kondrich, who is an advocate for people with intellectual disabilities and just a very passionate, wonderful person. Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's an honor to be here. I just want to thank you for the amazing work you've done for so many years to support people. So thanks for having me today. Oh, that's 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 what I'm all about. You're right. So, Kurt, how about if we start by you telling our listeners, first you worked with the Human Coalition of Pittsburgh, and now you are an advocate. So I'm going to just ask you both questions together. Why did you become an advocate for people with intellectual disabilities? What caused you to do this? Absolutely. I've always had a passion for people with disabilities. I served as a police officer for 20 years, and um, even prior to the birth of my daughter, Chloe, in 2003 with a diagnosis of Down syndrome, I always just loved, embraced, and had passion for people with disabilities. They just they seem to just bring out the best side of me. I love their unconditional love, their purity, and I just I, I, they always, I was drawn to them always to, to serve and protect them. And in 2003, my wife was pregnant with our second child. Our first child, Nolan, was four years old at the time, and um, during that pregnancy, we were kind of pressured and offered prenatal testing because of our age, and we were told we were at risk to have a child with Down syndrome. And um, we did we did not have those tests, and our daughter, Chloe, was born in 2003, and shortly thereafter, we found out she did have Down syndrome, and she really is the the spark, the fire that has just driven me into what I do today, advocating and speaking up for people with disabilities and just keeping the world focused on their abilities and all the beautiful things and amazing contributions they make to our culture and our society. You know what? It never fails. Here's what I always say. Give me the parent of a child with a disability and look out. (laughs) This is a person on fire for quality of life for people with disabilities, and I, too, have worked and know uh, friends with people with Down syndrome, but I just want to point out that I'd met a young man with Down syndrome over 10 years ago, and when I met him, the people that referred him from social services said uh, they knew I was trying for the first time to find a business role. Uh, full-time employment for a person with Down syndrome. And they said to me, oh, Joyce, not him. He would only be uh, good for cutting the lawn. (laughs) Well, we did not listen. And we found employment for him at Highmark in the mailroom. And, you know, he is moved up in the print shop. And he is at work every day, every single day, dressed sharp every single day. He is the most wonderful person. And just to show you what he's like, at my Christmas party for our company, we have a 50-50. Then we contribute 50% to uh, Variety, the children's charity. Well, a few years ago, who wins? Justin. Like $600. I'm so thrilled. 
He comes back, no, he wants to donate it back to Variety. I said, Justin, no. (laughs) No, you keep this. You know what he said to me? Listen, I've always had people give and do things for me, but I never got and have had the chance to do something for any organization. So there you go. There it went. Well, guess what happened? Last year, he won this all over again. And right away, I said, hey, no, you're keeping the money. And I even tried to move him to his table. I said, no, I mean it. You're keeping. Nope. Uh-uh. He wanted to donate it back. I mean, I told his family, that, you know, this is unbelievable what he's like. But that he wanted to be like a business person. He wanted to be, which he is. And he wanted to be. Able to do what other people do, you know, when they contribute. But there he is, full-time job, doing a great job, not cutting the grass. So, you know, people have a tendency to label people with disabilities and especially people with intellectual disabilities. And that has to go. That has to stop. And. And I see that there is a reason for all of this that has set your, although you always, as you said, you always, as a police officer, had a special advocacy for people with disabilities. But, but with this new daughter, I think that just quadrupled everything that happened. So why don't you tell everyone about Chloe? I'd be honored. And thank you for sharing that story uh, because, Joyce, that gives just priceless hope to families to hear those types of stories and understand that, you know, that, you know people, people will frequently ask me, what's Chloe going to do when she's older? I said, why don't you ask her? And I said, I don't know. She might run for office. She might, you know, uh, I don't know. She's going to do what she wants to do. So just thank you for sharing that story about that young man, and that's just that's awesome. So, you know, when Chloe was born in 2003, I said during the pregnancy we were told we were high risk, and I, I refer to that word as, as a police officer. It's not a kind word. It's a word that doesn't mean something good. And, you know, and, and when Chloe was born with Down syndrome, the reception was not that well in the medical community. They told us all the negative things about her and all the, you know, the delays and things that we'd have to deal with and this and that. And um, it, it, it troubled me deeply. I'll just be honest with you because I, you know, I held my daughter. I looked at her, and she was a, you know, she's my daughter. She's a beautiful young lady. And um, so we plugged into early intervention services. Can't say enough about those services in the state of Pennsylvania. They just really, these therapists came to our house and started, like I said, focusing on her abilities, all the things that she was going to do, not the things that she couldn't do. It just really empowered us. And then I watched this child grow. You know, my, my son began working with her, and I'll, I'll just share with you, Chloe was reading by age three. She was sight reading books, and she's in high school right now. She's in ninth grade in her neighborhood high school, and she's reading at grade level. I kid people, she reads better than most of the cops I used to work with. She just, she has a love for, for literature. She has a love for books. She has a love for just knowledge. And um, she's, she's your typical teenage girl. I mean, she, she happens to have an extra chromosome, but she's, she has an infectious joy about her, unconditional love. She doesn't judge people. She doesn't, you know, you know the thing it, it, from, from being an ex-police officer, she does, Chloe doesn't have malice. She doesn't intent, will never intentionally hurt anybody. I was talking to somebody recently. They said, when's the last time you saw a person with Down syndrome go on a shooting spree or <clears throat> sell heroin or, or get busted for bullying somebody or, you know, they, She doesn't have that in her, and that has driven me even harder to advocate for these individuals and make sure that the supports and services that they need to thrive and you know and and to grow into their utmost potential life that those are in place. So Chloe has driven me to do that because if we don't have a loud voice for these individuals, you know, it's kind of like Horton hears a who. who, If if people aren't speaking up, then people will forget and disregard individuals. So I just. You know, after Chloe's birth and hearing a lot of the negative things about individuals with Down syndrome and that, I just decided, you know, if, if not me, then who will do it? And I decided to take on that, that role of being an advocate and being a, a loud voice and being a, a person in the disability field who could, could make an impact for these, for these individuals. It was, just, it, it was my calling in life. I really believe that. So, um, and so you know Chloe what? is now, as I said, she's in ninth grade. She's in her neighborhood school. 
she's, you know, in 14 years, I would say she's planted more positive seeds than most people do in a lifetime. She's been on the big screen in Times Square for part of the National Down Center video three times. She's met with the president, the vice president, several governors. She's had a law named after her in Pennsylvania, then advocacy work at the state and federal level. She's on a cover of a book, been in many news articles. She's actually, somebody just told me she's in a Pittsburgh Catholic this weekend about, she's been at the United Nations twice, just returned from the United Nations back in March and has been part of a presentation up there. So she's quite an accomplished young lady um, for her age and for, like I said, for her diagnosis. You know, that, that we don't even consider that as... As a, as a drawback for Chloe, that's just part of who she is. It's just you know she has an extra chromosome, but she's she's a very active, engaged, and impactful young lady. You know what? She's done more than most teenagers at that school. Yes, amen. <laughs> she, she, I'll, Chloe goes to Upper St. Clair High School, you know, which is a, which is a very good high school and very competitive district in that, and and she's just. She has made an amazing impact, not just on her school and not just on her community. I would argue on on the state and the and the, the countrywide, even the world level. She's she's just had this impact that, you know, is 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 resonating across the world like a like a wave, and it's it's just been awesome to be to be part of this and to be able to be you know a, a strong voice for this journey. And it's it's just it's been absolutely amazing and beautiful. It's the best best mission God's ever given me in my life. I'll be honest with you. And you know what? I am going to be telling that story in just a couple of weeks in Japan because what happens is if an embassy, and my listeners know about this, but if an embassy calls the U.S. State Department to send an expert on the employment of people with disabilities, they frequently send me. So I have been to... Uh, Panama, South Korea twice, last year Indonesia, and I'm on my way to Japan in two weeks. And I want to tell you, at all of those countries, especially Indonesia, I haven't been yet to Japan, but Indonesia and South Korea, there is great shame if you have a child with any type of disability, but in their mind, no hope at all if you have an intellectual disability. And look at, look at Chloe. You know, look what she's accomplished. I mean, that's phenomenal, those things she's done and going to the U.N. And I can just tell she's a dynamo. She is a disability rights leader. You know that? When I hear this whole story, she's a disability rights leader. And we're going to talk more about Chloe, but right now we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Kurt Condridge, who is a national disability advocate for people with intellectual disabilities. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Kurt. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. 
Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back, everyone. Hey, if you just joined us, we are talking about Chloe, famous for Chloe's Law, and we're talking about Kurt, her father, who is an advocate, a disability advocate for people with intellectual disabilities. And before we talk about Chloe's Law, I want to say one thing. Kurt was describing his daughter and how fabulous she is. And remember I said before about social services labeling Justin. When you talk about Down syndrome, don't be one of those people where you think everyone's the same. Everyone with Down syndrome, they're all the same. Here's what you say. If you know one person with Down syndrome, you know one person with Down syndrome. (laughs) Everyone Every person is different, has their own personality, you know, their own dreams, aspirations, skills. So don't do that. I hate when people do that. And don't lower the bar. You know, I don't know if you know this, listeners, but kids with disabilities are bullied more than any other group in America. And kids with intellectual disabilities are bullied the most out of that group. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, where the heck does that start? So, just like the R word, in my world, the R word is the most offensive word you can say. So, don't label people with Down syndrome. Respect them. And with that, Kurt, wow, let's hear about Chloe's Law, a law named after her. Let's hear about it. Absolutely. And I just want to echo what you just said, you know, about labeling people. I always tell, you know, Chloe, Chloe has an IEP in, in her school right now, which is a support plan to make sure she hits her highest marks. And I always tell people the first letter in IEP is individualized. So just to, you know, repeat what you said, there's no other child like Chloe. She's not, a, she's not a Down syndrome child. Her name is Chloe Condridge, and she's an amazing young lady. So thank you for bringing that up. So Chloe's Law, which is, um, <clears throat> which is the nickname for the Down Syndrome Prenatal Education Act, which is something which really was a grassroots effort that we, I'll just say, started here just based upon learning that the majority of, tr- of families who were receiving a prenatal Down Syndrome diagnosis, they started doing this testing several years ago, then they refined it to make it non-invasive. And, and you know, as Chloe was growing, I was connecting with parents that had the prenatal testing, and every parent I spoke to, and I spoke to parents across Pennsylvania, across the country, really, even through emails and that, every parent I spoke to told me that once they were given this prenatal diagnosis, just as you were saying earlier, Joyce, that there was the perception that you immediately get rid of this kid because they focused on them being a burden. The words that were used were burden, that they would cause massive stress, that they wouldn't be able to do anything, and they just assumed it because your child had a diagnosis of Down syndrome prenatal, you would terminate. So I kept hearing these stories, and then through hearing the stories, I learned that in some countries across the world, um, in Europe and that, the, the, the termination rate is, is in the 90s. And as a matter of fact, in Iceland, the country of Iceland, it's 100%. There hasn't been a child born in Iceland in over seven years. <clears throat> so that, I'll just share with you, greatly offended me. I was not something I was going to rest on because I knew from my daughter, and my daughter being part of our family, part of our community, part of our school district, and that she was not a burden, that she was an amazing young lady. She had many abilities, that she brought just unbelievable joy into the world, and really, as far as I'm concerned, something the world desperately needs, which is unconditional love and and joy and purity. So never judge you. And I thought about these tests that were identifying, targeting, and eliminating individuals at this high of a percentage rate. You know, to me, it was like the ultimate form of discrimination and prejudice and profiling and you know, stuff that we as a culture no longer tolerate, but they were doing it to individuals like my daughter. And somebody said to me, why are you so, why are you taking this on? I said, well, if you had a daughter with brown hair and brown eyes and the culture said that, they, that she didn't belong here and they were getting rid of girls like her, you would say, no, my daughter's cool. Come and meet her. She's really awesome. So 
that's what spawned me on to go after to get legislation in place that would mandate that when a woman family receives this prenatal diagnosis, instead of being told just to terminate the child because they're going to be a burden, they would have to be given factual, supportive, uplifting information so that they knew that their child with Down syndrome, that diagnosis, was going to bring a lot of joy, a lot of goodness, and it was going to be a a person of, of independence, a person who could do many things on this earth, and a person who could have an amazing impact on the world. And that's what spawned us to do um, Chloe's Law, which um, I'll share with you. Really started advocating for that law. Chloe and I made numerous, numerous trips to the Pennsylvania State Capitol. Met with it was a very bipartisan law. It was you know it met with Republicans, Democrats, you know political parties. I don't get excited about. I'm more concerned about people who and what they support and what they believe and what they fund and uh you just started planting the seeds up there and and just from the fall of 2013 until it was july of 2014 which really is a short period of time when it comes to getting a law passed the the law was made it through the house made it through the pennsylvania senate passed 50 to nothing in the senate uh, 198 to 2 in the house and in uh, july of 2014 it was on the governor's desk and chloe sat next to then governor corbett and watched him sign the law, then she was allowed to sign the law with them, and so was her two friends who have Down syndrome. One of them happens to be from South Korea, where you were talking about it. Alex Lee signed it, and Thomas Bradford signed it, and it was just, it was an amazing day, amazing celebration for for individuals and for abilities and for just making sure, as I say, the facts and the truth come out on these amazing people and what they bring to our culture. So. Yeah, now, this Chloe's Law, does it only impact... Um, Pennsylvania, or is it? How much does it impact? Chloe's law is is for Pennsylvania right now, but because of Chloe's law, I will share with you. Other states had contacted me after, and they they're also doing laws like this. There's there's legislation in other states right now, even in currently in Pennsylvania, to actually outlaw um, terminating a child based on a Down syndrome diagnosis. Because once again, the culture is realizing, you know, most every state has legislation in place, you cannot terminate a child based on sex identification. You can't terminate a child because you don't want to have a female, you want to just have a male. Well, people are seeing, because of advocacy, because of family voices, because of people, self-advocates, people like yourself, Joyce, that individuals with Down syndrome are, are a gift, they're a blessing to the culture. And getting rid of them at a rate of you know 90%, in some, 100% in, some, in one country, is not acceptable because it opens up a whole new paradigm where what if we have, you know, is genetic testing advances, what if we have a genetic test for baldness? How about for shortness? How about for breast cancer? How about for, you know, autism or ADHD or depression? You could you could really start getting rid of everybody that the culture says doesn't belong here. And I reference history. They tried that once and it didn't work out. So <clears throat> this law is because it, it was powerful because it planted a seed, which is now kind of spread across the country, and it's empowered people to do this similar type of legislation in other states. And and I want to say, well, and that includes epilepsy. You know, I'm yep, living absolutely. with epilepsy, so that, that could include epilepsy. Well, and you know, there are people with Down syndrome who live with epilepsy. But what, what I wanted to, uh, what I wanted to say is that is horrible. That reminds me of Nazi Germany. That's eugenics. That's you're not, you don't look right, you don't act right, we don't want you. I mean, right. that that is really, that is what it is. And that is absolutely horrific. Uh, and I just can't believe that about Iceland. That is the scariest thing I have ever heard. What about here in the United States? Do you have any idea what the percentage is here? The percentage of the United States is in the mid to high 60s across the country, depending on geographically where you are. You know, it, it can be higher. There's some parts of the country where it's in the 80s, maybe approaching 90. But, you know, generally in the United States, it's, it's in the high 60s, you know, with approaching that. Denmark recently came out, I think it's like 95% over there. Uh, some of the Far East countries, it's extremely high. So th- this test, you know, like I said, it's, <clears throat> I tell people it's the ultimate extreme form of discrimination, of, of profiling. You know, I made a, I spoke at the Pennsylvania Capitol recently, and I said, you know, in Pennsylvania, we have a moratorium on the death penalty because we don't want to get rid of, you know, terminate people that could be innocent. And I totally agree with that. We, do, we don't want to take any chances on that. But these are individuals who are totally innocent who, you know, the statistics 
bore out. You know, there's been surveys done that 99% of people who have a child with Down syndrome are very happy. 99% of people with Down syndrome are very happy with their lives. They, there, there's, there's, it's total misconceptions that, that are being relayed out there. So, you know, this is kind of what you'd call a prenatal death sentence given out because somebody says that, that you don't belong here. And as I always, I challenge people all the time, I said, you, need, you just start asking yourself, who's next then as genetic testing advances rapidly? So... Oh, and it will. It will. It is. It is as we speak, Joyce. It is as we speak. And you know what else? As I said, how terrible is that? Even that's shameful in the United States. That's shameful at the uh, statistic that you just gave right now. Absolutely terrible. Well, well, I'll share gonna, something with you that no, I did, no, did hit ahead. me last year. I was, I was kayaking with my son, and I saw a turtle nest, and there was a sign by it that said, you know, big fines, whatever, if you disturb the eggs in there because they're an endangered species. And, and I understand that. I love animals. I'm a, you know, I love, love all animals. And I was thinking to myself, well, what is a turtle egg? It's a prenatal turtle. Why is there a fine to hurt that prenatal turtle? Because they're endangered species. So I go back to my daughter, you know, as, as a prenatal person, she's an endangered species. She's, as a matter of fact, in Iceland, she's actually an extinct species up there. So I, I said to somebody, I said, well, if you're going to cover turtles, that's great. If you're going to cover eagle eggs, that's awesome. But how about covering individuals like my daughter who are now being systematically <laughs> eliminated and wiped out? You know, why, why, not, why not cover them under that act? So. You know, oh, that is so terrible. Terrible terrible. I feel so uh, violently opposed to that. And if you're listening to the show right now, you know what? Anyone you know that you think needs to hear this, remember, you can get it on demand. And you can go to BenderConsult.com and you can go to VoiceAmerica.com. Anyone you think that should hear this show, direct them that way. Because, you know, if you can help You want to do that. But right now, we're going to break again. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Kurt Condridge, and we've been talking about Chloe and people with Down syndrome and people that we love and people who are unique. And with that, we're going to go to break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Since 1985... Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Spender. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Kurt Condrich, who is a national disability advocate for people living with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what a great man he is. You know what? I am so thrilled to have you on the show. You know, you've been talking about um, 
percentages here in the United States and around the world where they terminate the pregnancy of a child with Down syndrome. So here's my question. Why? You know, why do you think that is, and why do you think, and I know this because I know people this has happened to, where, um, you know, where they came in and told them and uh, suggested that they have an abortion. So why do you think that is? Well, the driving force behind Chloe's law, as I spoke about earlier, was <clears throat> there was false information being given out. You know, a person, if a, if a family is being told false information about their, their, the child they're expecting, then that can lead them into one of our most dangerous emotions, which is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of, of what's going to happen, you know, and, and they can act in ways that are not, you know, desirable if they're, if they're filled with false information. And like I said, and that causes the fear, then it, it, it might cause them to make this decision to <clears throat> terminate this child. So that's why my mission, and I know it's your mission also, is to make sure that people see what a gift, what a blessing these individuals are to see, to see what their abilities are to make sure that, you know, that, 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 that gets out there, that we keep our, our individuals with Down syndrome included in public schools and the workforce and in all aspects of the society, because the more that they're part of society, the more that they're around people. And, you know, people always say to me, you know, the more that your daughter's around typical people. And my first question is, does anybody know anybody who's typical? Cause I certainly don't. And <laughs> does anybody know anybody who's normal? None of us are typical or normal. We're all, we're all people. We're human beings. And the more that individuals with Down syndrome are just out with, with, with other people, the more people realize, wow, these, these people are pretty cold. They're, they're drawn to them, and that's what breaks down, as I say, that there's a cultural mandate today that's, that's, that's put out there for perfection, misguided perfection, and I just think the fear that people are given with these prenatal diagnoses of, of all the things that could go wrong as opposed to focusing on all the good things and all the abilities is, is a driving force behind us. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, I say to people, don't let someone else take away a wonderful child from you. You know, I have to tell this story. A friend of mine uh, was told by her doctor she should abort the child with uh, spina bifida because he would be, uh, in their words, unable to do anything, talk, uh, you know, uh, intellectual skills that it would be such a burden, so terrible. So, you know what? Um, she, she called me, and I said, hey, do what you think is right. Don't listen to them. So she had Daniel, who went to college, does not have an intellectual uh, disability. Uh, you know, actually, guess what? He, got, he was in the Olympics, uh, and they won a gold medal in sled hockey. So what? Yeah. So what? My point is, you're going to have a beautiful child, just like Chloe. That that. Remember what I said. See, you know what the doctors doing there again? Exactly what I said not to do. Everyone with Down syndrome, putting them in the same box, regardless of who it is or what their background is. So you know, don't do that. Don't miss out on a wonderful, wonderful child. but I also know, I can't believe all those things you told me, Kurt, that Chloe's on a book and uh, all those millions of things. But let's hear about the United Nations. Why were you at the United Nations with Chloe? Okay, so that's, it, it has been an amazing journey. You know, I often look back and just can't believe how, how we've been used to be a voice. So it actually, actually last year we were invited up there by an organization to speak because it was Breaking news last year about Iceland and how a child, no children with Down syndrome had been born there in several, several years. And uh, they had read about, I, I write a lot of articles, I advocate a lot. They had read about Chloe's Law. So <clears throat> last year I was invited up there to speak at a smaller forum about this issue. And they liked the message so much, uh, Chloe and I got invited back again this year. We were just up there at the end of March at a <clears throat> very large conference by an organization called CFAM. And it was actually hosted by the Vatican, the Holy See, to really address this issue as we is you know what they call it is a it's a prenatal genocide. It, it's just something that it, it's getting attention across the world because people are seeing that <clears throat> these individuals are being you know identified, targeted, eliminated at such high rates 
and we no longer are going to sit back and not speak speak up about it, you know. And um, so we were just back up there. We we got to speak to a large world audience. It was it was amazing. There were people there from India and Russia and Chile and you know Europe and just all over. And just talking, you know, I used the PowerPoint presentation about all the good things that these these individuals were able to do, focusing on their abilities. And it was, I'll just share. It was very well received. It was just. People loved it. They were emotional. They they couldn't believe it was happening. And um, you know, it, it just it. I think it really has started kind of a tidal wave to address this issue and make sure that you know that we we stop what's happening to these individuals and make sure that you know um, the proper supports and services are in place to allow individuals like Chloe to to have a great life. You know, I often say there's a lot of people who champion themselves as being pro-life. I said, but to be a genuine pro-life person, you you better support the supports and services that enable people who have a disability or whatever an issue to have a good life. If if you say you're a champion for pro-life and and this and that, but as a policymaker you're cutting funding to disability services, mental health services, women's center and shelter, dementia services. If if you're cutting services to our most vulnerable people, then I would argue you're not a pro-life person. You you might be pro-birth. But if, you, but if you want to be genuinely pro-life, you better be funding and supporting and advocating for services and supports that allow people in our culture who are vulnerable to have an awesome life. So. Oh, um, I want to just applaud you. <laughs> I agree with that 100%. I say that all the time. I say, you know, you can't say this and then not provide these services. Amen. Because I, I, of what did you Joyce, say? I, it's I, like- I say that all the time when I'm at the Capitol. I've, I've gone to the legislator's office, and they'll, I'll say, you're not pro-life. And here's, oh, yes, I am. I said, no, I say, you just cut early intervention funding and, you know, waiver funding and special ed funding. I said, what, what kind of life is an individual going to have? I said, if you want to be pro-life, you better champion you should be putting more money into these services. You should be like out there leading the charge for these services, mental health, teenage suicide prevention, dementia. These are things that you should just be absolutely passionate about as a pro-life person because life, life only begins at birth. We get the rest of life to, to be taking care of people, and that's, that's just a cause I've really recently gotten on fire for, and I'm going to continue to be on for with, with, with people. So, well, I'm yeah, glad so. you are. Well, you are a very, very passionate person, I must say, Kurt. You are. But I always say someone, whether it's now, whether it's in history, I don't care when it is, there was someone that impacted or impacts you. So my question is, who is your role model? Well, I'll share with you. I recently lost my role model. It was my father. He was he was he was really my best friend. He was always there for me. He was, he was the, really the culmination of what a real man is. He, he stands there faithfully and, 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 and served his family, and he always supported my mission. You know, as a younger young man, I always wanted to be a police officer, and a lot of families you know, might not support their son going into that. My dad always supported what I wanted to do and always just, just gave me a push and always you know, gave me words of encouragement and would talk to me and was always there as a, as a lifeline to call. And, you know, he, he really was. He's, he's, he was my greatest, you know, uh, role model growing up and, and into my adult life because, and, and he, you know, he loved my daughter. You think my, my father grew up in a generation where people with disabilities were, once they were identified, were carted off to an institution. And I, he probably never even saw a person with Down syndrome growing up. And he just, he loved Chloe, genuine love, and he, it was amazing to watch their, you know, interactions together. But uh, I, I can tell you right now, there's no finer man in my life than him. And you know, he just uh, he's the legacy he left is the work that I'm doing right now. Really is so. And, and you know what? One thing I didn't mention, but isn't it awesome how children with Down syndrome are being being used in advertising? Amen. Gerber babies. Uh, when we were at the United Nations speaking, uh, young young woman Melissa Holgram, who was who was um, who was in the Miss USA contest out in Minnesota, was there. It's it's just it's unreal to watch. You know, 
like you said, they can do whatever they want to do. There's nothing that can hold them back from doing what they want to do. So it, it's 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 really nice to see you see them in ads for Target and other <clears throat> retail chains. So you can we're we're breaking through those barriers that so desperately need to be broken through. Right, that's right, um, and th- that made me so happy. For example, with the Gerber baby, oh, uh, and you know uh, what? There are dolls. There are dolls I've now. Seen that. And you know what this is all about? This is about, I'm beautiful, don't judge me. That's right. You know, that that's what it's about. I'm beautiful, don't judge me, and I deserve a life just like everyone else deserves a life. Hey, I have to ask you, um, how did Chloe feel when she was at the United Nations? Oh, uh, it was... <clears throat> She knew she was, the reason she was there. There's actually, you know, if, if if anybody listening to your show wants to contact me, whatever, there, I can even send you a link. There's a there's a video link of us testifying at the United Nations for the Holy See and for CFAM, and it's it's amazing her interaction with people. When the young lady who was um, Miss Minnesota was done testifying, Chloe went right over to her and hugged her, told her what a good job she did. It was she just moved the room. She did. I, I think I think there were more selfies of Chloe on social media all over the world after the UN than anybody because everybody there was a line. Can we get a picture with Chloe? Get a picture with Chloe. It just it just it warmed my heart greatly to see this commonality of people coming together to you know celebrate life and to celebrate the joy of individuals like Chloe. And it was just it was it was awesome, just beautiful, a beautiful thing. So and so, let me ask you this: Where do you go to see those? Uh those links you talked about? Um, it's on the Holy See Vatican <clears throat> website. I can, if, if your viewers want, I could send a link over to you to put on your website. And, um, yeah, it's available on there. And there's, I actually have an actual link that came from the Holy See to watch that. Um, that and there were several articles that came out after we spoke in the United Nations. And um, I will share with you through after that, we got to meet with – we got we had a private meeting with Cardinal Dolan, who's the cardinal of New York City, the the largest Catholic diocese, and we had a private meeting with him after, and he actually invited me to come on his radio show um, next month to speak about disability issues and this and that. So it's it's pretty cool to watch how, like I said, you plant the seed, you give it water, give it some sunshine, give it some love, and how it can grow into amazing things, and how the the message is universal. It, this I tell you, this is not a political message. I'm not I'm not a Republican, a Democrat, independent. I don't <clears throat> that doesn't impress me. I say when people my my. People who impress me are people who are genuine public servants, not self-servants. Those are the people that impress me the most. Yeah, right. Me too. Yeah, that's what I say too. Um, So, Kurt, what would you say is the greatest accomplishment in your life? What have you done so far that you consider your greatest accomplishment? I would... Definitely say, Joyce, the work I'm engaged in right now. I I think Chloe's law was a was a pivotal moment because it was so grassroots. It was literally I sat down at night with a legal pad and just started scribbling ideas down. And <clears throat> I remember my wife saying, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I'm going to do something. I don't know. What I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do something about this." And how just that just that passion and grassroots nothing turned into a to a law that my daughter got to sign on the governor's desk. I would I would say when I stood behind Chloe and when she was signing that law, that was one of the finest moments of my life was was that and being engaged in that but i i still feel that god has really more awesome things planned and i'm just going to continue to follow the journey but the the work i've done since the birth of my daughter has definitely been my the greatest the greatest thing i've ever been used for and been blessed to be a part of now i and i can see why you're saying that now this was uh of course done at the capitol uh how did chloe feel when that happened I actually have a video of that choice. I could send her. I have like a one-minute video of Chloe sitting next to the governor, him signing the law. Then he passed it over to her, and she was so excited. She took the pen out and signed the law. And you know, you can just see there was just genuine excitement and amazement. You know, and and she knew what we were doing. You know, we 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 used to go to Cap. I told you we're up here protecting people with Down syndrome and making sure that you know people in, in and she got it she, she's been up to several rallies at the capitol on that for for issues and um she was she was elated she was just i i think i honestly believe that chloe knew she was a part of of history and that's what it was it was it was a moment of history that i will always look back on as just being very blessed to be part of that so 
And, and what did she think when she met the governor? She loved it. She she called Governor Corbett Pap Pap. She developed this <clears throat> relationship with him, just friendship. It was really cool, and and he really, you know, embraced Chloe. I, I always say he just he just embraced her. And during his tenure, you know, we were able to, you know, he 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 was very supportive of programs, and I know Chloe was a major part of that because he got to see, you know, it's one thing to talk about people with with disabilities and and, and numbers. But when you have to look in the eyes of somebody and, and talk to them and interact with them, I, I call it the Tiny Tim effect. I said, Tiny Tim, you know, was the only one that was able to get Scrooge to budge and, and open up his, his funding for, for individuals like he was dis- disabled. It wasn't the wealthy bankers. It wasn't family. It wasn't the politicians. It was the, it was the little boy with a disability who changed the heart of, of, a, of a person and changed the whole community. And that's what I've seen Chloe do when she's in the presence of people that, you know, as governors and even, you know, she recently met with the president and the vice president. So it's, it's pretty, it's amazing to watch it. So she met with them at the White House or where did she, she met, met with them? them at the White House? We were invited for the, uh, the March for Life this year. We were invited down there. And I just thought we were there to be in the audience because of the work we do with prenatal eugenics. But we stood right behind the president. And I'll share with you when he walked up on stage, Chloe, Chloe's seen him on TV. She hit him in the arm. And he looked at her, and he leaned down, and he started talking to her, and then he, he looked up and goes, she's beautiful. And then Chloe handed her, handed President Trump one of her books, and he bent down and kissed her on the head. So, it, you know, it, and she met with uh, Vice President Pence the night before at a White House event, and just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome to watch. I mean, they, they, she just, she's a light that just shines very brightly wherever she's at, and I think people are drawn to that because... You know, we live in a culture that's very toxic. There's just so much fighting and infighting and all this stuff going on. Here's an individual. Chloe don't care what party you represent. She doesn't care if your hair is purple, you got piercings, tattoos, whether you're liberal, conservative, whatever that means. She doesn't care. She doesn't care what country you're from, what your socioeconomic status is, what kind of car you drive. She loves people because they're people. And isn't that what we all should be doing, loving and protecting and supporting people because we're people? It's, 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 it's an awesome thing, and I think, like I said, it's, people are drawn to that, to that light, that, that warmth, that goodness. So. Now, now, I say again, how many people have, met the, have been at the White House, <laughs> okay, and met the president and vice president? I w- you know what I, would I mean? Say not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. It's- yeah, and you know, I'll, I'm going to tell you something. I was at the White House, and when I and it is a really an unbelievable thing. It's an unbelievable feeling. It really is. I mean, I am. I think that is so wonderful. I assume you have pictures of that. I have. I have some awesome pictures of. I I have the actual picture of the president kissing Chloe on on the head, and I have a I have a really good picture of Chloe with Vice President Pence and. It just it, it, she it, she actually had her bear with her. She has this bear she she really likes a lot, and I, I it, it's amazing. I can share those with you and share those with your listeners, and that just this just like I said to show how here's 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 a little here's a, it, a young lady that the culture across the world is systematically eliminating, who is standing next to the president. You know, I think it's who is is uh, part of a UN presentation, who is you know just being featured in Times Square video. I mean, that's just, it's awesome. That alone is unbelievable. It's beautiful. That, it's beautiful. that alone, that's phenomenal. Now, yep. uh, let me ask you, the book, what is the book and where do you get the book? The book is called Brilliant Souls. It was written by a um, Stephanie Winzik, who is a nurse that works with uh, people with intellectual disabilities. And when she learned about this termination rate, this extremely high termination rate, she went on to write this book and she had read about the work I was doing, and she included that and actually put Chloe's picture on the cover. So there's a chapter about Chloe in the book and the stuff, some of the stuff that she had done up to that point. And it's, it, we've used, I'll share, we've used that book as an advocacy tool. You know, Chloe will, as she did with the president, she signed a copy and handed it to him, to the vice president, signed a copy, customized it for them. And it's made an amazing impact on the culture because, like I said, Chloe has better handwriting than me, I will tell you that, and she reads better than probably the majority of people I know. She just she loves to read and so it's 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 broken down once again a lot of stereotypes 
my wife found this old book that was written back in the 60s talking about people with intellectual disabilities and specifically Down syndrome. And it said, you know, they might learn to read by age 11 or 12. And I'm thinking, good Lord. I mean, like I said, Clay was reading at three and is, is just amazing reader. So it, that, that book has really helped to, as I say, break down stereotypes. And, and um, you get that, you get the book, I assume, Amazon? Yes, the book's on Amazon, and I'm going to send you a signed copy when you give me your address. Oh, you better. <laughs> I am. I want one, too. Absolutely. So, You're going to hey, get one. Kurt, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I will share with you one of my other big heroes in history was Dr. Martin Luther King, because he, he saw something that was a social injustice, and he wasn't violent, and he just, he just raised his voice. And through raising his voice, he was able to make amazing, you know, priceless change. It, it cost him his life, but the legacy left will resonate forever. I met his niece in Washington, D.C. a few years back, Dr. Alveda King, and, you know, one, one of the quotes she shared with me from her uncle was, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And that's that's the message I'd like to leave with our listeners. That you know, if if you're not if if you see something that's an injustice, that's a wrong, that deeply troubles or bothers you, and you're not doing anything about it, and you're not speaking up, and you're not engaging legislators or policymakers, then I'll just say, it, shame on you. You you have a responsibility as a member of the the human community to speak up, especially for those who are vulnerable. You know, my my favorite passage in in the Bible is Proverbs 31.8, which is speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And I just, I really believe that as people, our our primary number one goal and duty on this earth is is to be a voice for those who don't have a voice, is to defend and protect our most vulnerable, is to ensure that all people have a good life. That's what being pro-life is, is to have a good life and then ensure that, you know, that we speak up for those things that allow that to happen. So just raise your voices and, and you know, uh, make sure that your, your silence is not, is not hurting people. You know what? That's one of my favorite quotes. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you how often I well, have used that quote. That, that is, isn't that, that is just such a great quote, and it is so true. Uh, well, first of all, Kurt, Thank you so much for being our guest today. My honor. It's an honor to be I forgot to ask you one question. Do you have a Facebook page? I do. Just uh, Kurt Condrich, K-U-R-T-K-O-N-D-R-I-C-H. You go on there, and I post all the stuff from the United Nations, the meeting with the president. Um, said I'm going to be on a radio show up in New York, and, you know, and everything will be on there. So please, please friend me, and, you know, if you have any questions, I'd I'm, I'm at your I'm at your service. I'm oh, that's great servant. because guess what? You can put this on your website. Oh, it'll be on there. I guarantee you. Absolutely, yeah, it's on demand, so you can get it. That way, everyone will hear how great I'll, Chloe is. Put on Twitter and everything. It'll be out there. Well, this has been Kurt Condrich. Since you're going to go to that Facebook, K O N D R I C H, and before we go. Hey, I end every show with a quote, and today the quote is from Scott Hamilton, who said, the only disability in life is a bad attitude, and bad attitude is what causes all of our problems. So, this is Joyce Bender. I look forward to talking to you next week with my good friend, David Casey. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.